You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to Enemy of My Enemy. I am Cody Jones. And I'm Brian. And this is the show that brings you hot topics. Great debate from a left, right, and center libertarian perspective. Uh, first order of business, we will not be discussing the pursuit of happiness with Larry Sharp today. He stayed up probably too late partying at the trash prop. No, I don't, I don't want to say what it was. I'm going to... But... And Caitlin here and say it was trashy prom. I it I'll could have been trashy prom. trashy prom. No, I'm <laughs> jealous. Really, that's all it was. I'm, I'm <laughs> jealous, and I wish I was there. Yeah. So I apologize to anybody expecting that. I did. I did. Uh, unfortunately, find out about the cancellation today, and I did the. I I made the switch as soon as I found out. Uh, but I understand some people are probably like, "I'm here for Larry. Where the heck is Larry? Sorry, all you get is us pasty folk. Uh, we will talk to Larry another day." Uh, we do look forward to that. So that will be grand. Uh, about the opposite of pursuit of happiness, we're going to talk about Kyle Rittenhouse instead. Um, we're going to pursue a lot of tragedy. Now, I am going to preface this whole thing by saying that if you are polarized by this, if you like to uh, lose friends over this subject... This is probably not the episode for you. We're going to examine this from a lot of different angles here. Um, like I said, this, this show prides itself on having a lot of opinions um, and a lot of perspectives. And a lot of those may be perspectives that you disagree with. This subject, uh, it, it's, it's COVID-like in that it's kind of uh, people see it as an indictment on Black Lives Matter or they see it as an indictment on self-defense or try to make it 100% about one thing or another. And this is about as gray as gray, gray areas get. So we're going to explore them. I'm, I'm sure that my co-hosts are going to get to it. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to talk about some hard facts real quick. So we're all on the same page. Um, and then we can talk about kind of our, our perspectives on this. Um, so the Kenosha unrest shootings um, is what they're called. Uh happened in Kenosha. Now, the more famous incident that happened in Kenosha was... Uh, was the reason all this unrest happened was the Jacob Blake. If that name doesn't sound familiar to you, he's the one that, that went into his car and the cops shot him in the back, like seven times or whatever it was. He's paralyzed from the waist down. Um, should he have maybe reached into the car? Maybe not. Did the police have a right to shoot him seven times in the back? Definitely not. Um, it, it was a very poorly executed situation. Um, and it was a tragedy. And I think it's important to recognize it for the tragedy that it is. Um, and so it, it, that made some unrest in Kenosha. Now, the day before, a car dealership uh, suffered, according to the business owner, it was $2.5 million worth of damage. According to the people paying them, it was $1.5 million worth of damage uh, as far as like insurance and whatnot goes. It was an Indian American owned car dealership. Um, and the and the owner uh I guess I don't want to say took to the public radio waves, but certainly was public about saying I need protection, right? 
Now, did he specifically enlist Rittenhouse? Did he specifically enlist the police? I don't believe he specifically enlisted anybody. He just didn't like the fact that his car dealership was, it was mostly arson. So this wasn't even theft. This was just, he was upset that he suffered $1.5 million worth of damage and reasonably so. Um, and that leaves us to Kyle Rittenhouse who responded to that uh, situation. Um, he shows up uh, earlier in the day. Uh, most of the videos that we have are kind of from nighttime. There is some incidents before then that are, Kind of on video, kind of not. There's some dumpsters set on fire and rolled towards a gas station. Um, we are told by police that uh, Rittenhouse was there admit, uh, offering first aid to the people who were injured, and there were several injuries. What's funny is uh, Rittenhouse was part of two shootings, but there were actually five different shootings other than the Rittenhouse shooting. It's just those didn't have victims. They were mostly just shots in the air and, and nobody hit and... Uh, so it was a, it, it's a wild scene. Um, anybody who sees the videos, you've got a lot of gunfire. You see a lot of defaced buildings. The buildings that knew it was coming have mostly been boarded up. Um, Rittenhouse is there discussing the NAP with two other, the non-aggression pr principle with two other, uh, two other folks. Um, he does in a video explain to the police that he works at the car dealership to get to the car dealership. Um, he did not work at the car dealership. Uh, the police do say to the defenders, Hey, we appreciate what you guys are doing, um, on the loudspeaker. Um, so where the incident really happens is away from the dealership. Cause actually, while much ado is made about that situation. There actually is a, the, the, where it starts going down is the police actually secure the car dealership and Rittenhouse, uh, the first incident happens just outside of a gas station. Uh, he is seen running by the gas station there is a shot fired by a third-party pursuer. Joseph Rosenbaum tackles Rittenhouse. He does try to take Rittenhouse's gun. Rittenhouse shoots at him reportedly four times. Two of those shots hit. Uh, one of them hits him pretty nasty in the chest. They're talking about like liver lacerations, and I was looking at the autopsy report earlier, and that shot may have been fatal. He also hit him in the head, and that one was definitely fatal. Um there were some people on the scene who tried to put pressure on it, but, and he was, he was definitely not what I would call any kind of conscious. Um, that incident itself stemmed from an earlier incident. Rittenhouse actually uh, somewhat unfortunately dressed what looked like another officer, um, not on purpose. I, I don't believe he would have known what that officer was wearing beforehand, but this officer actually used a fire extinguisher to put out one of these dumpsters and Rosenbaum got upset with the officer um, they do have videos of that. Um, and then he sees Rittenhouse and believes that Rittenhouse is actually the one who put out that dumpster, uh, that dumpster fire that, that uh, Rosenbaum, I, I don't know if Joseph Rosenbaum was set that fire or was part of it, but he was very upset that it was extinguished. Um, and he confused Rittenhouse for that incident, which is why he was uh, going after Rittenhouse there is a bag that is on fire uh, that is thrown at him. A lot of people are like, oh my gosh, that's a Molotov cocktail. From what I understand, it was like a bag with like a couple of uh, toilet paper tissues and a thing of deodorant. It was a weird, it was a weird thing to throw at somebody. The light behind the bag hit the bag. It was never on fire. It was never on fire. Okay, so the yeah, the light. Yeah, it was never light. on fire. It's just yeah, it was the reflection of it going, but but it did look like from the video. 
I mean, sure. first, first glance was like, yeah, it, that's a little bit less of an incident because he doesn't even turn around at that point. So it's <laughs> like, but there are people chasing him, throwing stuff at him. Rittenhouse does get himself separated from his group. Uh, we don't know why. Uh, maybe inadvisable, but again, I'll leave that to a matter of opinion as far as why he's there and around the gas station. Um, so that's the first uh, shooting there. Um, and then the next one is he's running down the street. He's running away from the shooting. Uh, he's being chased by a very large group. Um, he trips. He does trip on his own. And then, <laughs> according to the break mound, one, one, kicks, one person kicks Rittenhouse. Ritten fires at him, but he misses. So that person is not not hurt. Um, another person, Anthony Huber, then hits Rittenhouse with a skateboard uh, in the back. Rittenhouse turns and shoots him once in the chest. It is a fatal shot, and that does kill Huber. And then another person uh, takes out a handgun um, and approaches him. It's not, it's being aimed, but it is not actively aimed at Rittenhouse, but Rittenhouse fires. It shoots him in the bicep. Um, he is not dead, but I mean, that bicep was a grisly injury um, for those who saw the video. Um, there are racial slurs for whatever reason yelled at Rittenhouse, uh, both from the videotape uh, person and by Rosenbaum. I don't know why they felt the need to call him the N-word, but he is several times called the N-word. Um, thing. What's that? That's odd to me. I don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, and especially because it's it is a Black Lives Matter protest, and I'm gonna get into, I'm gonna get into Joseph Rosenbaum in a, in a, in a during my thoughts, but for now I'm just gonna, I'm gonna just gonna go through these so you all can can get to your stuff. Um, but yeah, the person hit in the um the bicep was was George, uh, Grosskreutz, I think it's pronounced. Um, let's see, let's finish off here. Uh, he then continues to run towards the police. He then slows to a walk. He raises his hands. Uh, people are yelling at the police that 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 Rittenhouse is the shooter. They're saying that Edward is the shooter. That guy is the shooter. He's the one that killed him. Uh, he's the shooter. Uh, the police, um, and it's hard to say where their mind's at, but they kind of ignore those cries, and they let Rittenhouse walk right by him with his hands raised. Um it is, at least according to the video chatter, or not the video, the chatter that is caught on the video, you can hear them talk about clearing the way to the victims. So at the moment, the police are more concerned and maybe rightfully so about getting to the victims, although you'd think with, it was a large police presence, you'd think one of them would at least have the presence of mind to be like, what, this guy? Okay, can you hang on real quick? But they kind of weren't listening to the crowd. I guess that's just how it goes. Uh, as far as Rittenhouse's charges... The person who kicked Rittenhouse, um, who Rittenhouse missed, Rittenhouse, Rittenhouse is charged with a first-degree recklessly endangerment um, with a deadly weapon. Uh, for Rosenbaum, Rittenhouse is charged with first-degree degree, like, reckless homicide and first-degree reckless endangerment with a, with a deadly weapon. Uh, for Huber, Rosenbaum, uh, I'm sorry, not Rosenbaum. Rittenhouse is also charged with first degree homicide. And for Grosskreutz, Rose, uh, Rittenhouse is charged with first degree attempted homicide. He's also been charged with failed to comply with a curfew and possession of a weapon under the age of 18, which is illegal in the state uh, of a deadly weapon or a dangerous weapon is the phrasing. Yeah. yeah. A dangerous weapon, which is illegal to do under the age of 18 in the state. Um, you know what, Brian, let's start with you. What are kind of your thoughts and uh, perspectives on the situation? 
Kyle Rittenhouse is guilty of possessing a weapon under the age of 18 and being out past curfew. Definitely guilty of those two items. So let me just put that there. Should he have been there? Hell no. Um, but he was there. So the next question is, was Rittenhouse justified in shooting the gentlemen that were chasing him? And I want to use the term there, chasing him, because that's what every single video shows. Rittenhouse is not charging towards them. Rittenhouse does not have his gun out pointing at them, running at them. He doesn't even have their gun out running away from them. In every single video shows Rittenhouse retreating. Now, you can say he shouldn't have been there with a the gun. He shouldn't have been there at all. We can definitely make those arguments, and those are definitely big moral discussions. But the question is, does he have the right to defend himself in the face of imminent danger? Now, let's go back to um, to uh, Rosenbaum. I'm not knowing. I'm sure these two did not see each other. I have no evidence that before that actual incident that they had seen each other. Rosenbaum was there. He was at the protest. There is video of him saying, shoot me N-word uh, repeatedly to the armed people that were there. So he wasn't there for, you know, hey, I heard there's a rave going on or anything. So he was a protester. He was there for a reason. So and yes, he got out for a psyche eval. But unfortunately, he was there. He was chasing Rittenhouse, as we know, that he may have confused Rittenhouse for an officer that put out the dumpster fire. Threatening to kill someone because they put out your dumpster fire, especially with a gun. Yeah, that probably deserves another psyche valve. But, um, you know, we have hindsight 2020 anger of the moment type of thing. The question is that if someone is chasing you and appears legit, not, oh, dude, I'm going to kill you, but I'm going to kill you. No matter the situation, do you have a right to defend yourself, whether that's with a weapon, whether that's with a car, whether that's with a bag full of apples? Um, do you have the right to defend yourself? And the answer has to be yes. And it's not just a, well, morally, this is the case, but it's also Wisconsin law. Wisconsin's law has an affirmative defense in the case of, to defend yourself against imminent bodily harm. Now, of course, people can make the description, well, you know, Rittenhouse shouldn't have been there. And because he was in possession of a firearm under age 18, that all goes out the window, except for one critical piece of Wisconsin legislature uh, of the law, which says that any sort of provocation, any sort of you point the gun at somebody and, you know, and they start chasing you and you run away. The minute you run away and aren't pointing the gun at them, you have the right to defend yourself. The whole idea behind that law was to prevent people from like, hey, someone broke into my house. I'm going to go ahead and point a gun at them. As they're running away, I'm going to shoot them in the back of the head. So that's the whole point of that law. And that's the whole point of self-defense. You are defending yourself from imminent danger, not danger that's running away from you. The second video of him being chased by a mob, 
Um, I would really like to know anyone who is looking at that video and saying, oh, they were just trying to escort him or perform a citizen's arrest. Um, it's really simple to look at uh, what happens to people uh, that get beat up by mobs. It's not pretty. And for the person that says that um, being hit in the head with a skateboard is not a, you know, a terrible thing, uh, Google skateboard uh, being hit in the head death. And you'll see a nice little list of people that have died from that. Um, I cannot think of a reasonable jury that's going to look at those two videos and say that Rittenhouse was the aggressor. Rittenhouse had no fear of bodily harm. And that Rittenhouse didn't try to get away from the situation. And all three of those, he was not the aggressor. He was not trying to look for a fight. And he was trying to run away. And a crowd was chasing and catching up to him. So... In all three of those shootings, it's unfortunate and it's unfortunate the situation happened and he should have never have been there. But in the end, those are all justifiable defenses for the charges that the state has thrown at him, except for possession of a firearm under the age of 17 and being out past curfew. Lou, your perspective. Oh, lock him up. No. Okay. Let Jesus sort it out. No. Um. <laughs> I do. I think he was in his mind defending himself. Probably so. Like on a legalistic level. Probably. Mm-hmm. Do I think he went looking for this? A hundred percent. And when you look back at some of like the little interviews and stuff he did on you know, prior to as things were building, you can tell he was like, yeah, yeah, I want someone to come and, you know, make me defend myself. Like, that's how it came across. Right. So I don't, like, was this, like, pre-planned? No. Um, But he knowingly put himself in a situation he should have never been in. He did not have the training to be in. He did not have the maturity to be in or anything. I mean, like from a legal standpoint as an anarchist, like I want to be like, yeah, 17 year olds can have guns and do whatever. Right. But as a parent, your ass would have been at home. Yeah. Like there's, first of all, I don't know who his parents are, but they should be single mom. Okay. Yeah. She should be on trial. Like, we should be talking about that. How can you allow your child, knowingly, because apparently she knew about this. Like, yeah. this is what he was going to do. Yep. Um, You know, and I think the big problem I have with Rittenhouse is you can see the beginnings of some right-wing extremist in him. And then after this happened... Then you get the right-wing extremists making a hero out of him. And it's disgusting. The kid is not a hero. He's an idiot who didn't know what he was doing, who doesn't have the brain development to make those kind of split-second decisions in that kind of scenario. He had no business being there. Mm -hmm. And that's my biggest problem. On a very technical level, was he defending himself? Probably. Um... I like there's a couple of things here. So I guess there's sort of this like 
building of the situation because there's the initial interaction and shooting and then there's like him running away and people chasing him right and we have a scenario and we all know what mob mentality is right it it's catchy and everybody kind of you lose your shit and you just sort of follow the crowd and people there i think genuinely believed that he was the aggressor in the first incident and so they were going after him to stop him but then it sort of snowballed right and so people see people chasing someone they hear someone else yell hey he just killed this guy and all this stuff and so there's not a lot of facts in the moment and there's a lot of emotion in the moment so everybody going after him and this that and the other like someone obviously the police should have stopped rittenhouse um i almost think this whole thing would have been better if rittenhouse would you know when he had some distance on these guys would have put his um gun behind his back put his hands up and turned to them and said hey i'm not a threat to you i think at, before it got to be like people coming in from the sidelines not knowing what was going on i think he would have done better to go directly to a police officer instead of walking past them like something there's so many decisions that he could have made better starting with not being there in the first place right he he was on the phone during the first shooting if you watch the a part of the video he was on the phone saying i shot someone and they said get out of there right. um for 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 very good reason number right. one Absolutely. uh yeah um get out of there not as in we're gonna hide you and send you on a plane to bulgaria to but never be found safety. again but for his own safety but yeah. but number and two he went running to the police with his hands up. He wasn't trying to hide and going up no, to the I police. Just was, drove right by. <laughs> right. But he didn't work real hard to get them to stop for him either. He's well, like, bye. I, uh, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. Uh, he's carrying a gun. He's got his hands up. I, I, you know, I don't know what else he's supposed to do at that point. That kind of falls on Kenosha police to stop and go, why does this kid with an AR-15 have his hands up? Hey, probably you, go, you were probably yeah. a lot of them had already seen him and talked to him. So right. They knew who he was. Right. And like in a lot of cases, and I've seen this before because I do have a lot of friends who have gone to events as like frontline protectors for like BLM stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times what they'll do as sort of like to let the police know, like, I am not a threat, even though I have a weapon is they will do exactly that as police are coming by. They will do exactly that, you know. And I get that, yep. The but, but, hands up, don't shoot, right? Yeah, but in this case, you see right. him running to the police. And the other thing I do want to kind of bring up here is that this was in the comments, um, that when you cross the state line, that it's all illegal. Um, Kyle Rittenhouse worked in Kenosha, not at the car dealership. I believe he was right. a lifeguard. Yeah. Um, so when you live in these kind of big town and, and, and I don't know if uh, any of you are familiar with the area, I grew up in Chicago, Kenosha's just across the border, literally. Right. And a living lot of people. South Bend, yeah. I'm Nile, Michigan. like yeah. I can spit and be in Michigan. Right. And, like, and that's the thing. In a border town, those sort of things get a little gray. Yeah. Going through St. Louis and that thing is 
freaking cut in half with state lines. I mean, right. just... well, it's got the Mississippi <laughs> and then of course everyone goes to East St. Louis and dies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I just, but I, I wanted to bring that because that is a legit thing. People are coming up with and saying that, well, the second he crossed a state line, he broke the law and I'm going, state lines are imaginary. Yeah. Um, it's all, hey, hey, come on. The like, libertarian, you should be embracing the whole cross that state line. Go do whatever you want. Right. Um, but, just but I, I, about it. I did want to address Ashley's comment that when you purposely seek out violence, it's no longer self-defense. Well, the question is Rosenbaum was seeking out violence on Rittenhouse. Um, the other gentleman were with, especially the one with the skateboard was seeking violence on Rick Rittenhouse. This wasn't a, you know, whoa, whoa, buddy, stop, stop. Let's have a chat. This was a person coming at you to kick you in the head hit you with a skateboard and another guy to try grab your gun which you can see he's got a gun right there right. so i'm kind of sitting there and all the moment and everything else i and especially with state law that backs it up and says this is an affirmative defense that's the other part of it is that if there was no affirmative defense the, this would be a little more hazy, but there is an affirmative defense, an affirmative defense that says, even if you're breaking the law, if you're running away, you still have the right to protect yourself. Right. And I, yeah. like, from a very legalistic standpoint, I don't disagree with that. Um, from just a human perspective, specifically um, the gentleman with the skateboard, like, he had seen what had happened. And I want to say they like knew each other, or at least had been around each other for that day. Mm -hmm. And so in his mind, of course, this is very emotional. There's a lot of adrenaline. Right. Just saw someone get shot and killed by this guy mm -hmm. who were trying to stop him. Like, I know that's what was going through his mind. Yes. In trying to stop him, was he probably trying to harm him? Sure. <laughs> like if someone had just shot someone I knew, I'd be after him too. Mm -hmm. Like I, because that's human nature. It, I just, yeah, there's a split, I think, between like the super legalistic side of it, which mm -hmm. as annoying as it is, I agree. <laughs> I hate saying it because I hate that check box again. Hody, could you please note that? Check that box again. Hody, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> right. <Ding. laughs> but like I'd still lock Rittenhouse up for being a douchebag if I could make that a law. Like, yeah, I but know. then he's. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not agree. I'm not disagreeing with you that um, before that he did a lot of things, and he wanted to be a cop, and, and he had said that I, he wanted to like be that. a cop for all the wrong reasons. And, and that's and and that's still legal in this country. Being a douchebag is not illegal, no matter what we want to believe. No matter that, well, you know. If you are on the side that he's a douchebag and he deserves to get the book thrown at him, you're honestly, in some cases, legally from no, a legal I perspective. No, no, I don't believe you say that, but I'm saying people that believe that, Lou, if people believe that he's a douchebag and should be put in prison for the rest of his life for what happened, you're not really much better than the people who are saying he's a saint and you should never question St. Rittenhouse for blowing away the pedophile and, right. the, uh, and the drug guy and all the other stuff. So I... It's it's a sucky situation. But let's let's let Lou finish her uninterrupted yeah, segment because I need to get to my interrupted segment. Oh, so. okay. yeah, I'm all chomping at it. So Lou, so, Lou, go ahead and finish your thoughts. But yeah, so I do think 
I almost want to say this, this has the potential to go one of two ways with Rittenhouse's future. Like, I think he will legally get off. Like, technically, he will get off on the defense, defense, self-defense, defense. Um, I hope, because what you see in him is a young man um, who had a lot of very right-wing extremist seeds planted in him. Um, with the potential to behave in a way that would put other people in danger. Um, and I think that the hero worship of him now will either push him even further because now he has like a freaking fan base, right? That are supporting this and making him a hero or what he's dealing with personally and seeing directly in front of him will make him go, you know what? Maybe I need to reanalyze and how I look at the world. He's young. He has a lot of learning to do. Um, the other thing I did want to address was Rosenbaum, I believe. Um, we know he had been in for a psych eval and stuff like that. He was literally released that morning after being on a 72 hour hold for a suicide attempt. So with him standing there saying, kill me, kill me, kill me, shoot me, shoot me, shoot me. I think like, I genuinely think that Rosenbaum put himself, it, it was like a suicide by cop moment for him. I think he was still suffering from his mental illness and unfortunately put himself in a situation where it was easy for him to get himself killed. And that is heartbreaking and a whole other conversation on mental illness that needs to be had at some point. Um, Rittenhouse should have the book thrown at him over the specifics of being under 18 and this, that, and the other, which I hate to say because then we get into like legal stuff and I'm an anarchist. But I mean, clearly his mama isn't going to discipline him. <laughs> like he needs to learn a lesson. Uh, in some way, I he's going to jail. He is going to go to jail. I think he will. I yeah, or, for I the other charges. I get a time serve bullshit. He's been out on bond, so I mean, he's going to get. I have a feeling what's going to end up happening is that the the defense is going to come out. They're going to simply point to the law. They're going to give all the videos of him being chased, and that's going to be. But oh, the other thing I want to bring up, my last little point. I'm sorry, Hody. I saw Hody. You're good. Start, like it's my turn. Sorry. You're good. I'm excited. You're fine. Um, so a lot of the on the ground footage that was available, and I tried to watch a lot of it early on when this was first happening. And it was it was difficult to tell what was happening because, of course, it's shaky footage, this, that, and the other. It is. Yeah. I had my mind pretty made up that pretty much kind of how I feel about it now. I do think the first shot might have been a little more in self-defense, but he kind of wanted it to happen. Um, I do believe now we've all seen this like FBI drone footage, which I totally want to get into later. Yeah. It makes me so mad. So originally when I first saw it, someone had it mislabeled. And what they showed was Rittenhouse chasing so-and-so mm. it was mislabeled and I was like I knew it I knew it and then when it actually was released later on in a more official whatever and they broke it down like 
Okay, fine. Like they changed like whatever. Still a douchebag. <laughs> yeah. But the FBI like the whole drone footage thing bothers me. Creepy so, as fuck. <laughs> and I like how like they're just now telling people about it. Like, oh, okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And how much were they sharing with the Kenosha police at the time? Because, you know, they have these fusion centers that were yeah. built after 9-11 to purposefully share this data. So, yeah. yeah, creepy as bleep. So I, but fiery, but peaceful. Remember that fiery, but peaceful. <laughs> Mostly peaceful. Just shootings all over the place and everything. Yeah. Um. All right. So as far as I see this, I could deal with the aftermath. And a lot of that favors the Rittenhouse side which is I, I know in the comments people are talking about like how you would have used an a like a, a weapon to shoot to disable uh, somebody who just hit you in the back of the head with a skateboard like non-lethally and some of you are talking about how when somebody shoots behind you you would have turned around and been able to shoot the gun out of their hand and like he actually did that with one which is somewhat impressive but like you know like that's what you would have done there I don't buy that. And this is kind of for me a textbook example with the F around and find out thing. I'm sorry. If you hit somebody in the back of the head who is fleeing, even if you think it's the right thing to do and they are armed, you might die, right? If you chase somebody and you are part of a group that shoots a gun in the air and the other person tackles him, okay, and he is running away, okay, he's running away at this point. He has not fired a single shot yet at this point. And he shot is fired and one of your buddies or whatever, or whatever group you're running with, somebody tackles him. You may get killed. Okay. I don't love it. I think like a lot of what people are saying, I understand the proportionate response. I don't want Rittenhouse to kill somebody. Okay. I don't want anybody to die in this situation. It's a stupid car dealership. It's a stupid gas station. It's busted windows and broken glass. And those can be replaced. Human lives cannot. Okay. So I don't love that any of this is happening. However, all of you hotshots who are apparently Clint Eastwood, like over there and you just blow off people's fingers and suffer no fatalities, good for you, but kind of shut up. Like it's not, it's not reasonable. It's not a reasonable thing to say. Now to say that going into that situation, that's for me where things get really dicey. You've got two different mobs, both exhibiting mob mentality right? It, for all there is. I mean, it is so messy and confusing. Like if you listen to these videos, it's funny to read it because they talk about, oh, X amount of shots were fired. And you watch the videos and you're like, I hear like 15 shots going off. And they're like, oh, those are someplace else. Or, and you're just like, oh my gosh, that wasn't even part of that. Like that's a shooting happening across the street. This is a very messy situation. A lot of, I mean, it, 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 was, shock, it, it was shocking to me. Now, Rosenbaum obviously escaping on e psyche val um it's been well documented he was an active unfortunately pedophile and like that's a bad thing and getting his brain examined which is a good thing i want to encourage people to get in their minds right but uh his mind was obviously not right and he was dropping some racist taunts who knows where his brain was at now when you're it's weird to be fighting with the black lives matter side and being the one yelling the racist taunts. But like I said, one of, one of the videos, in fact, the first video that was released of the guy with the cell phone pointed at the gas station, he also yells racist taunts at Rittenhouse. 
And it's a weird thing to be like, that's the N-word, like that N-word right there. That N-word's got a gun. And it's like, that. I'm sorry, you're the Black Lives Matter side and you're white. Like you can't, like, I'm, I don't, I don't like the word being used by anybody, but if you are sitting there with your phone and you're just being like that, that N word, please don't. Okay. Like don't, don't, if you are a white person, use the N word thing. Okay. <laughs> now. Yeah, no, that. Yeah. And, and, and Jacob brings this up and I do want to get into this too. Rittenhouse had, had offered to administer first aid by people who were already being hurt in part of these unrest in part of the unrest. Now we don't have, a, unfortunately, not as much videos, uh, not as much details about all this, but people are being hurt, right? It, it, it there's people's bodies are being affected and damaged. Okay, houses so like this, burned. how yeah. houses being burned? This affects people's livelihood. The owner yeah. of the car dealership was Indian American. I mean, it's it it was it's a dumb thing to do when you are on a side that says this is supposed to be Black Lives Matter and what's happening. Oh, we're hurting minorities. We're doing damage to minority-owned businesses. We're calling white people the N-word for some reason. Like, at, at some point, you need to step in and be like, "I got to get out of here." Like, I, and that ha- I mean, that's happened to me before. I th- I've been to right-wing and left-wing rallies back in, you know, because when I'm trying to hang with my friends and learn more about them, and you can see it devolve into something else. Now, I've I've been lucky to avoid something that is violent. But I remember, you know, I had a friend invite me to her local Black Lives Matter chapter and listen in there. And they just after like after like the eighth time of kind of casually dropping like white devil and white people suck. I was kind of like, you know what? I'm I'm out. You know, like I was here like and I was open to it and I'm still open to the idea like that. I understand people our ideologies can be better than the people. Look at libertarianism, for example, uh, that ideologies are can be fantastic. And. Sometimes the people are a little bit messy. Now, as far as Rittenhouse goes, um, he had violence in his past. The prosecution is working on seeing if the judge will allow them to bring that up in, in court. Probably. Um, I mean, he's it, it, was he an angry person? Maybe. Uh, it, uh, certainly seems so, especially if you've already exhibited some violence in your past. Um, was he probably... Here's the thing. Here's the thing about Rittenhouse, though. And I think why a lot of people come to defend him is that I do see a lot of myself in him if my parents weren't saying no, Cody. Because I, I was, I was, I was right-leaning. I was pro-police at that age. I was pro-Iraq war. I mean, all, the, all that stuff when I was his age. And what they said is, hey, buddy, bag off. Bag off real quick, okay? Like, you need to, to kind of <laughs> stay home. His friend is actually, uh, I guess he was over the age of 18 and was the one that supplied him with the gun. So his friend is obviously in a little bit of trouble there. I never had a friend offered me a gun. I never had a rally in the city where I worked, you know, that was quite this violent. And I managed to avoid a lot of this damage, you know, like because I was surrounded by people who were like, no, you're not going to be violent. Now, it wasn't until I, I, boy, I probably didn't embrace pacifism until like two years ago. So I'm against kind of all violence, mostly even against defensive violence. Maybe that's a subject for another episode. I don't necessarily want that to turn to turn that episode into this, because I do recognize that while I think that's the way forward, I also recognize that people have a right to defend themselves with violence if they are injured. One's a personal choice on my part with pacifism and something that I would encourage other people to do. The other one is, do you have a right to defend yourself or your property if you are assaulted or injured? You know, was Rittenhouse there? 
looking for something. Okay, so this gets into the whole bait car situation, right? Because <laughs> when you park a car and you throw the keys in there and you make a big deal of it and you walk away and somebody steals your car and you go, ha ha, they stole the car. Got them, let's bust them. We got a whole TV show on that, guys. It's a wild TV show. Like it's a real situation because you take, you take the car, you park it, you give people the temptation and there you go, you know? Was Rittenhouse egging them on? I don't love the fact that he got... Now, I don't know what happened. This is something that's still going to have to happen in court. I don't love the fact that he got separated from kind of the safety. And I also don't love the fact that he's kind of putting himself in the shoes of defense that was not asked for. Um, the business owners have taken the stand. It was like, hey, I did not ask for that. You know, like, and, and all that. Now, that being said, even if it's a bait car situation, you don't get to steal a car. You don't get to harm a person. This is still on them. Now, I dislike the tactic. I think most libertarians do dislike the tactic of the bait car, right? Like, because it is it's it is tempting somebody to do something bad when they are in dire circumstances. You go into a you go into these situations where people are in dire circumstances and you prey on that and and what is going on in their minds, right? It's like leave. Uh, it's like you need this test real bad, and the teacher just leaves the answer key on the desk in front of you, and it's your job to not look up. It it is a <laughs> there. There's a reason these these bait car things happen. They drive up your numbers, and Rittenhouse is probably something of a bait car type of situation. Let's let's have something happen tonight. Um, based on what I understand from his prior statements, he was ready and expecting something violent to happen. That again. This is still 100% on the aggressor, but, and, and I think what, what really kind of clinches this one for me is let's reverse what, let's, <laughs> let's say Rittenhouse was black. Would you still feel the same way about Rittenhouse as you do right now to anybody like listening? Does that affect it? Cause it shouldn't, right? It shouldn't matter. I mean, they're calling him the N word to begin with. So, you know, like is if if he was a black person, would you feel differently about what happened to Rittenhouse? And if all of a sudden you say, well, yeah, all of a sudden I see a bunch of <laughs> white people kind of surrounding a person and kind of saying up, the N word, <laughs> saying the N word, right? Then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, now all of a sudden things get a little bit worse. And this kind of, and look, I'm biased this way too. And I want to be very clear about that in that I'm very sensitive to I think because I had to learn so much recently to the plights of people who are less fortunate than me. So I tend to see white people and I'm like, Oh, they're probably fine. I see a, a mob against the black person. And I'm like, eh, no bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like that, that's really not right. You know? And I think that yeah. that would shape it, but it shouldn't shape it. So for me, I probably do lean towards like the written house. I don't want to say did nothing wrong because here's there's the legal perspective and there's the philosophical perspective where you're probably okay with it. But then there's the other perspective. And here's the other, here's what my closing thing about Rittenhouse is there's a reason that we as libertarians might want to abolish every single law, right? Why are we still not down with pedophilia? Well, because they're kids and they're developing and having sex with a developing kid is a screwed up thing to do. Okay. How about introducing violence to a developing kid? How about filling their minds with ideas of war heroism or police? I mean, this kid was <laughs> indoctrinated with the Blue Lives Matter stuff already at 17 years old. He was given a gun at 17 years old. Now, I'm not saying uh, 
17-year-olds have the right to self-defense and bodily autonomy as much as anybody else, okay? But when you give somebody a weapon, you put them in these situations and you encourage them and you throw, hold them up as heroes, I, I, I have a tough time seeing that as much fundamentally different as saying the 17-year-old girl that this 38-year-old guy slept with knew exactly what she was doing. She was totally fine. It was cool. That's not cool. It's not fine. There's a reason we're not cool with that. People are all developing. Right. Like, and that's not cool to do that. So that's kind of how I see it. Um, I appreciate you all letting me get my long thoughts out on that one, but it's a gray area. It, there, there's a lot of issues here. Um, we got a lot to talk about, especially in the chat. Uh, I see y'all are fighting. I probably won't address like fighting stuff, but if y'all have any questions yeah, or comments guys. and stuff, like, be nice, be nice in the chat. It's, a, it's, it's a tough issue. Like it's a, it's tough. It's, we are ma wading through the mud and some people are finding rocks and some people are finding emeralds and everybody's like, look at the rocks. And some people are like, look at the emeralds. You got to look at it all together, man. This is a messed up situation. They're trying know? to get each other to look at the rocks and emeralds at about 80 miles an hour towards each other's heads. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> Hucking them at each other. Oh my God. I am so like, it is very frustrating for me because I, you know, I spent a lot of, early adulthood studying law and the constitution. And like, that's, I went to school for public policy and I, I sat and read all my divorce attorneys, like constitutional law books. And like, I got a lot of free tutoring out of her. It was great. Uh, <laughs> so I just, you know, so I understand the legality of all of this but i almost feel like he's kind of getting away with murder and it's scary and here's why was the specific moment where he shot someone self-defense sure was he went there wanting to do it and we then you try to prosecute that and we're talking about thought crimes right yeah like right and that gets well, yeah. really scary. What well, maybe she went to the party dressed that way. Maybe she right, exactly wanted. What yeah. bothers me is like I have such a hard time wrapping my mind around this whole thing, right? Because it's like you can't say to a woman who, you know, I'll be out if I put on a short skirt and a low-cut shirt and I go out, I, I'm doing it because yeah, I want some attention, right? And it makes me feel good and I want other people to know I'm feeling good. I'm not asking for rape, right? Does that same principle apply with a situation like Kyle Rittenhouse, where he literally is going looking for a fight um, and is somehow lucky enough to position himself in the defense? I... I, I would, as I said, there's there's definitely plenty of laws. And, and, and actually, one thing we haven't talked about is the way they've charged him. Uh, Interesting. It, yeah, the way they've charged him and things like that. There are plenty of other things they could have charged him with. But the prosecutor decided to go full bore on first um, degree. It was intentional homicide, I believe. Hang on here. Yeah, and up. I think a lot of that yeah. was to appease people yeah. because isn't that an elected position oh yeah 
Oh, definitely electric possession. But yeah, to say first degree intentional homicide, and this is the one thing that drives me up the wall about prosecutors and our court system, is in some in some states that it is you have to charge them with one, you know, basically one crime out of like you can't charge someone with first degree, second degree, third degree right. murder, and then go down the manslaughter line and say, pick one. It's a buffet. Because <laughs> you think about it, it, it makes more sense. Yeah, it makes more sense. But the thing is this. It, it, if you're saying, well, we could have gave him the chair, but we'll just give him 30 years in jail instead. You know, it, it's kind of like determine the circumstances of the crime. Find out what statute matches up with those circumstances. Charge him with that crime. This whole, well, we're going to charge you with all these things and let a jury kind of sort it out. Jury of your peers is just bothersome and it's prosecutorial overreach and yes it's an elected position and it makes me sick but i'm also glad it's an elected position because hopefully somebody people can know you're going to look at this afterwards and go we spent all this money on this on this case that you know a jury can go either way a jury can to totally ignore the law and just say you know they can, they can go jury nullification the wrong way <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and, and yeah person's got yeah yeah that, that it's yeah it's separating legality from morality and the problem is we don't like legalizing morality we don't like legalizing that you should have been a good boy at home with your mommy reading your bible verses that you know we don't want that law we don't want the law and there are a lot of people that might like that um person the person just commented but um you know, the thing is this, is that we can't legalize morality and we should because morality of society changes. It's changed so much in the in my lifetime um, for for minorities, for uh, gay people, for women, a whole bunch of change. And if we legalize it, you know, bad things happen. So is Kyle Rittenhouse kind of a douchebag? Yeah. But I know a lot of 17 year olds are kind of douchebags and eventually they grow up and a lot of them turn to decent people. So he's going to have that chance now. But no, that chance <laughs> is unfortunately gone. He's going to get reinforced that he was a hero that night and he took out that pedophile and the drug user and blah, blah, blah. As though and the pedophilia had anything to do with it. I yeah, mean, no, really, like, I, yeah. I don't even think it's the racist yelling had anything but, to do with Floyd it. Like, it, just, like, it yeah. doesn't matter to me. Yeah, it's it's I a non-issue. George Floyd was on drugs and had done other stuff in the past. That Correct. Was, right. At that it's, moment, what was he doing? It's, yeah, yeah, it's the same thing when they bring in like his previous spot. Well, he was an angry person. What, was he angry at the moment? Was was right. he, you know, was he angry or was he scared shitless like the normal 17-year-old would be being chased by a mob? Trust me, as someone who was chased by a mob when I was close to that age, trust me, I wasn't thinking of, well, I am in the right. I'm going to stand right here and stand my ground. I was going, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and probably a good response. Like, run yeah. when there's violence. I mean, it's a, it, it, that's a good, that's a good right. thing. I Hold on to that. Yeah. I'm going somewhere. <laughs> because you, you challenge, like, there's this, there's this challenge in these circles that kind of Rittenhouse put, like was in that like you got to exp like express your manliness by standing up and fighting. And I find that like I find it such a toxic behavior because there is so much to do to counter something besides fighting. In fact, usually fighting doesn't solve it at all or makes it worse. Yeah. Right. Like and so when you look at these situations like. We talk about, and I'm glad Preston said that this is a matter of separating legality versus morality, because it sounds yeah. like all three of us probably agree on the legality. Yeah. Wisconsin law is a little 
I find that every time there's a law like this, of course, these these are different by state. It's funny. We talk about first, second and third and such like law and order generalities. But every state defines it a little bit differently. Right. They do have a shot to get him under first degree just because in Wisconsin, it's not like a premeditated kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's that you acted like you intended to kill somebody. So, I mean. And it doesn't it it does not actually say now Wisconsin, as you also mentioned, Brad, is a separate statute that says except for it in the case of self-defense. Oh, it's but in the same statute. It's actually the self-defense <clears throat> statute calls it out. Oh, there you go. Oh, I guess. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So like I, I was just looking up like, for you know, Wisconsin first degree, you know, what is it? And it's very simple. It's just, you know, did you did you aim to kill this person? And it's like, well, yeah, probably. And so you have to go seek out the other statutes. So like there is. There is this, I, I think we're probably all there legally. There may be some issues with like with the way the state laws worded or something like that. But as far as like, do we want this kid spending a lot of time in prison kind of doesn't really help a whole lot. It, it's not. And, and, and do, do we want him getting off without anything happening to him? Well, that doesn't help a whole lot either. Right? right. Like maybe there's, maybe there's a psyche valve that needs to happen with him as well. Right. Like, like maybe to talk with these people and, and just say like, Hey, listen, let's bring it down to earth a little bit. Instead of throwing, you've got two sides that are throwing gasoline all over the situation by saying that this man's a hero or this man needs to be crucified. And it is such a, I mean, it, it, it's one of those that that's kind of, I'm sorry, if you feel strongly one way or the other, you should probably check yourself right now for far right, far left, like mentality. Yeah. It's, 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 you're becoming detached from the situation at hand the stronger you feel about it. It's just too much gray. Mm -hmm. um, hey, I, I, I do think I do think so much goes, in, and I'll, I'll turn it over to you, Brian, but I think the thing that I just wanted to leave off with this one is that prevention is kind of all of this here. And Jacob said it, and I posted it for just a brief minute there, but like the, there's no fixing this situation once you're in it. Once we're shooting people in the back, and once we're breaking car dealerships and burning them and hurting people and setting dumpsters on fire and putting them down the street. We tend to, as a society, be very reactionary in that regard. Say, what do we do now? Well, now is too late. Now we just kind of say, I hope everybody goes to sleep quickly. I hope they get tired out because it's out of control now. At this point, and, and we tend to design a whole system of laws based on when it gets to this point. But the real way we combat this type of situation and avoiding this loss of life, property, bodily autonomy, um, tribalism, the way we avoid all of this is to kind of boil it down and get to that prevention part and say, like, OK, how do I take care of this? I was a, I have mentioned this already. I was a lot like Kyle Rittenhouse at his age. Would you have handed me the gun? Would you have driven me to the car dealership? Would you, or would you have been like, hey, Hody, time out real quick. Maybe there's another better way to go about things. Let me teach you about this thing called pacifism. Let me have you read a little Tolstoy. Let me have you think real quick about the success of nonviolence and movements. Let me teach you about the success of loving your enemies and relating to them and understanding where they come from and yeah. using that to make your point. I'm not asking you to abandon your values. Your values be what they are. But maybe there's a better way to go about making those things happen. This was, I've said it before on the show, Martin Luther King Jr. was brilliant about this. And I think it's something that 
we need to communicate to people over and over and over. Libertarians are really gifted on philosophy and we love to talk more and more and more and more and more about philosophy. And that's great. I mean, I love philosophy, right? It's fantastic. But nine like tenths of what Martin Luther King Jr. spent doing was talking about how to protest and not just what to protest. People generally know what to be upset about. I don't know a single person on this earth outside of libertarian circles that looks at the drone bombing in Afghanistan that killed that worker and his family and says, yeah, that was cool. Like, I'm down with that. We Ooh. know to be mad about it. We know that sucks. Everybody knows that sucks. What we don't know is what to do. Rittenhouse, as well as those, the uh, Black Lives Matter, obviously, you can say whatever you want. If whether they were the Black Lives Matter protesters or fake Black Lives Matter, but if you are destroying property or chasing people around, somebody needs to tell you to stop. Somebody should have told Kyle Rittenhouse to stop and fight a more successful war on a different front. He's on a front that is not helpful. The Kyle Rittenhouse situation, has it helped? Are we better about self-defense in this country? Are we better about Black Lives Matter issues? Are we better about the Second Amendment now? None of this. None of this helped, right? So he did something that didn't help, and there was nobody there to stop him. There's only people there to egg him on. And just like, and, and I hate the focus that is all on him, because earlier in the day, people are getting injured countering these protests. If you are part of a protest that is getting people hurt, you need to leave, and you need to tell the people to leave as well that you care about. You right. need to be out of there. You cannot be part of it. Do not attach your name to it. I say this, like, libertarians sometimes will, like, attach their name to somebody who had, like, who drops occasional racisms or ableist slurs or something. Get out, right? Like, don't detach your train at that point and be like, I'm going to go let you run free, and I'm going to attach my libertarianism to somebody that doesn't do this kind of stuff, right? Like, this just... And I'm not I'm not saying that you need to disavow them. I'm saying you remove yourself from the situation. You encourage those that you love to remove yourself from the situation. And I feel like for me, that is the biggest takeaway of all this. I'm going to go ahead and uh, let's let's Brian. Why don't you have some final thoughts on this, Lou? I'll give I, you some final thoughts and then we'll get into some peace of my mind. Actual. This gets to a theory that I have, and I'm sure other people have said it before. So this is not probably unique, but I always say big protests have a 10, 80, 10 rule. And it may be five 95, 10% of the people there are there are there to protest are there they're legitimately bought into the to the issue at hand they want change they want to get out there and say the message 80% are there because it's fun i i going to go outside and go wandering around and blah, blah, blah. and that's what you see in a lot of these protests you'll see a lot of people it's kind of walking along aimlessly um it's kind of like the um uh the 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 red ribbon uh from seinfeld um, people more interested in wearing the damn ribbon than fixing AIDS and stuff like that. And then there's the 10%. The 10% that, unfortunately, a lot of these people were there were the fuck around and find out types uh, that want to cause chaos, that want to cause uh, all sorts of problems. The 10% want the 80% there because it makes their numbers look huge. The other 10% wants the 80% there because they aren't paying attention and they can go and hide in that group. So unfortunately, with until we start realizing that that's going on and that 10% tells that 80%, hey, get your cameras out. And if you see somebody breaking something, video it, put it here so we can have those idiots arrested. It's not going to change. 
And lastly, Hody, I'm calling you a liar because there is no such thing as a little Tolstoy, okay? Let's be yeah. honest. There is no such thing as a little Tolstoy, okay? It's so true. I'm sorry, I had to call you on that one. War and Peace is, I I, uh, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. Uh, any book that puts Moby Dick to shame, I, I'm out. I, I, I read Atlas Shrugged. I paid my dues. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, The Kingdom of God is Within You is a really short one. I know I've said it before. Highly recommended. Read it. All right. Uh, Lou, your final thoughts on this before we get to the next segment. Um, so instead of like summarizing and wrapping it all up, I'm going to do what I do best and I'm going to make a prediction about Kyle Rittenhouse's future. Okay. I see him getting a bit of a slap on the wrist for the curfew and the this and that, right? The right will continue to make him a hero. And especially because he's going to get off on first degree homicide. Um, I see him sort of following George Zimmerman's footsteps. Yeah, and that absolutely. he's going to feel untouchable, okay. and he's going to continue on that path where he already has people worshiping him because it, it's human nature. He's not going to listen to the few that are like, "Hey, man, you're young enough; you can turn this around now. You don't have to be an extremist. You can." Broaden your horizons and learn a little. No, he's not going to go that way, right? That's just not human nature. He's got the right-wing extremists and the misogynists and, like, that whole side of things, worshipping the ground he walks on. I give it five years. He ends up back in court for something similar to George Zimmerman. That's exactly what's going to happen. I can see that. Or you heard it here <laughs> first, folks. The uh, Lou, you know, you've been, you've been, you both have been pretty accurate with your tradi- uh, prediction. This has been a, this is kind of a longer term one, right? Uh, most of your predictions on this show have come true within like the, like the next episode we're talking about. <laughs> <I don't> this, <laughs> unless something crazy happens in prison or something weird happens in prison, right. uh, that uh, I, I don't. We, we may have to wait, but you know what? I'll wait five years. I think we'll still be around. I We're think within. Uh... It could be sooner. It could yeah. be sooner. Okay. I, I think with the accelerated nature of social media and everything like that, yeah. Mm. I hate to s- say this, but he is going to have a target on his back. Oh, yeah. And 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 somebody, I'm not saying someone's going to take him out. I'm not saying someone's going to do that. Sure. But someone is going to provoke him. And he is, just as Lou said, is going to feel emboldened when he is found not guilty of those other crimes, um, which don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's guaranteed. I'm saying that this is the way the statute reads. Mm-hmm. This is the way, yes, prosecutors can always see it differently, but juries can also see it differently as well. But more than likely he's going to be found innocent of that. And he's going to feel emboldened and somebody's going to pick on him and he's going to do something just as stupid as Zimmerman did. So better run as i said for office he'll probably be a state senator in about five ten yeah. years yeah it's wisconsin you know yeah. they deserve it no i'm kidding um yeah <laughs> it, uh, bottom line is folks and i've only shared a handful of the comments because some of them are just so divisive and like here, here's the deal like I, I mean i mean what i say if you feel you're strongly compelled one way or the other and if you find yourself saying like oh yeah the left or the right is so toxic on this issue just Take a deep breath, do a little introspection. It, there was a lot of toxicity to go around for everybody on this one. Um, 
believe me, uh, I, I, I do recommend Rittenhouse get his mind checked. And it's nothing that I wouldn't recommend it for the people who assaulted him, for the people who chased him, for the people who he aided with first aid when they were attacked. Um, any, any of these aggressors there, like get, get checked. No aggression is okay. And I understand some people want to focus on this aggression or that aggression or this or that. No, like it, it, it is not, as soon as you start getting on the train of justifying violence it there there is a tunnel that goes very deep in that front my friend and it usually doesn't end where you think it's going to end um we like to think just a little violence here and there will do it and that's generally not the nature of violence so you know just uh understand that the issue is complex for what it is i'm glad we had i'm glad at least on the show we had a civil comments uh I feel like we, we it's like we're talking civilly while there's like the Coliseum fight going on underneath us and the gladiators <laughs> down there. But uh through them and no, nah, it's uh yeah, Ashley Shades is right, snap time. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. All right, we're gonna take a brief break and get back to you with a piece of our mind right after this. All right, everybody, thanks so much for hanging tight there. Uh and bearing with us. Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna talk us about sports again this week. Uh Man, I really wanted to talk about the Braves because that is an awesome underdog victory uh, for them. They were they were playing with like as busted a team as I've ever seen. Um, mm -hmm. Losing record going all the way into August. Uh, barely made it in with 88 wins. Uh, pulling out the victory. And I got to tell you, they did it. They did everything they could have done to win and it went right. And it was a bunch of no names and I love it. Uh, they're going to lose a lot of players after this season. And so it's kind of a now or never opportunity. You very rarely see teams as underdogish as the Braves uh, taking, especially when you're going against a team like the Astros. Um, and I really wanted to talk about that, but there's not really any, any good angle to talk about. And we had what I would call one of the darkest days in NFL history this week. Um, Cause like on the same day, everybody's talking about how Aaron Rodgers uh, <laughs> kind of dropped a little fibberino with his, uh, with his COVID vaccination status. Uh, I found that the more important story was happening in Las Vegas where uh, Henry Ruggs first round pick, uh, First round pick from uh, all, right, all right, Lou. There's two of you now. Oh, I muted it. Hang on. There we go. <laughs> all right. I muted it, but it remute re unmuted it. So I don't know. Anyway, no worries. On. No worries. I like the echo. More Lou the better. Uh we're good now. <laughs> <laughs> um this is a guy who had it all in front of him. Uh was a good part of the community. Um was was somebody who was really making some strides this year i remember just the week prior on fantasy football they were talking about how he's a pickup because he's on the rise and um he drove uh he got intoxicated he drove 158 or 156 something like that miles an hour he hit a car that car had a woman and her dog in front of it. And he, uh, unfortunately, they survived the impact only to be killed by the engulfing flames after he hit them. Um, nobody, you can have everything going right in your life and still be off. 
Um, and I think that's an important lesson that I kind of just want to share with any of our audience listeners right now. And I don't know that I can make this political at all. I think I'm just going to settle for making this personal. Um, it, we are surprised every year when somebody who seems like they has, have it all commits suicide seemingly out of the blue or makes a terrible decision. And we just say, well, where did that come from? They had everything lined up just fine. And if we constantly go about discouraging people from sharing their feelings or from talking about difficult decisions or, or admitting the small mistakes they make, then we basically just postpone it until the big mistake comes along. And if we constantly encourage men to be men and never share their feelings and, and pretend that everything's okay and it's all right, like you got all these women, what can you complain about? You got all this money, what can you complain about? You get all this talent, what are you going to complain about? You little whiner? Are you a baby? What's going on? This is, um, it's such a sad situation. Um, I think there's, it's it's murder sure i mean whenever you're whenever you're driving that negligently <laughs> and you hit somebody you're asking for somebody to die either you or somebody else um and in this case it was somebody else and you might not know why you might not know why you're in that place or what's going on but something's there and something's happening in your mind i'm loving this trend of athletes coming forward uh, we had an amazing story. I mean, there are athletes coming forward talking about sexual harassment that they've had to endure um, in hockey for these past couple weeks. Um, and and some just talking about how, like, it was undiagnosed OCD or um, ADHD. And what happens when a lot of people hear OCD or ADHD? Oh, get over it. Oh, just pay attention better. Oh, stop. You're just letting your diagnosis diagnosis excuse you from not wanting to pay attention. And is there some element of do we overdiagnose stuff in this country? Well, of course we do. Do people self-diagnose a little bit too much? Yes, of course. But when you have a legitimate problem and people dismiss it as just rub some dirt in it and grow up and get better, you get stories like Henry Ruggs. Now, I don't, there's no evidence that Ruggs was struggling with anything prior to this, right? Because the only people who would know would be people who encouraged him to share the bad stuff. For people who say, I want to know what's wrong. Everything seems to be going great. Please tell me what's wrong anyway. Tell me the worst thing that's going on right now. And if it's just the bus was late today and it made you feel this or that way, great, great. That's fantastic. You know, like it, people don't want to be, they don't want to be weak. And I get that. I'm, I'm right there with them. I don't like to lead every day with me whining, right? And talking about everything going bad in my life, right? But sometimes just, it'll be a small thing, but it gets to you differently than the others. You know, I probably, I mean, I my block list is, I don't know how big at this point, but you know, I'll block somebody who's being a jerk. No, I have no issue with it. I've already done it in the chat, for goodness sake. But you know, if somebody's just wildly nuts and mean and cruel, and I'll block them. And normally it doesn't get to me, but sometimes even somebody you block that, you know, is just talking out of their butt says something, then it gets, gets to you. And you know, it shouldn't, but I'm glad I have people around me that I could be like, you know what? I don't know why. And I know it's not true, but this person made fun of me for having a five head. Right. Like, and I understand, man, I got some baldness going on. And most of the time I'm secure with, I'm secure about it. And I don't feel that bad about it. But then some days I get remembered. Like I remember the times when I got bullied in middle school. For some reason, like I, I, I've dealt with it 
I've done all the psychological steps that I need to do to be secure about it. But sometimes I just need that person to say, you know what? I don't know why it hurt my feelings, but it just reminded me of these times when I got beat up or stuffed in my locker because I was balding there in sixth grade and who balds in sixth grade. It's ridiculous, you know, and it hurt my feelings and it was hard to get over and stuff like that. Right. Like, so but my, basically what I'm saying is it's okay that life is good and it's okay that you don't want to be a whiner. I don't like whiners. Uh, I, and, and I'll be the first to tell you, I don't like whiners people who their life is red flags. I'm just like, man, I've given you so much advice and information and love and care that I can at this point that you, you were the red flag. You're the flag. You're the one, you know, like this is the reason your life is red flags is because you are the flag. Right. And this is why everything hurts. And I'm not trying to be dismissive and I'm, I'm not trying to say like you, you are obligated to not be a whiner, but I think people are so fearful of that, that they don't want to admit when something is wrong. And like I said, it ends up like the Henry Rugg situation. Heart goes out to everybody in there. It's awful. I mean, he's going to, he's out of the NFL. He's going to spend maybe 20 years, maybe 60 years in prison, maybe two years. I don't know, but he's got blood on his hands now. And why? Because of something. And I don't know what that something is, but he wasn't right. Because if you're right, you don't get whatever double the legal limit. And I mean, that was even hours after they, the courts forced him to, to give it to him. Right. So who knows what he was at the time of the accident. Right. But over double the legal limit, you don't go driving 158 miles an hour. You don't go <laughs> put your girlfriend in your car with you. You don't make those kind of decisions. You know, so whether it's recognizing those choices that you're making or just admitting when you're hurt or feeling bad, I just would encourage you to share with somebody, you know, have somebody there and um, and talk to them about it and just say like, hey, you know what? Life is going great and here's the great stuff, but I also got this happening right now and it's really affecting me. And that kind of honesty, I think will will save you a lot of pain. Um, anything you two have to say about either rugs or just mental wellness in general? <sighs> I, Louie, go ahead. I mean, I've got a couple thoughts, but um, I think <laughs> mental health is something that we are talking about more. Um, but I don't feel like we're acting on it more yet as a society in general. And I think that, um, you know, in all of our attempts to be politically correct and inclusive, like there's a lot of talk about it's okay to talk to someone or, you know, own your mental health or this, that, the other, you know, and, and that's all well and good, but I feel like we're not seeing the action behind it that will make those who need the help feel comfortable enough to get it. Um, and at this point, it is our responsibility with the next generation, right? You know, we, my husband and I are like, if you guys all know my husband and he's this big, scary, burly tattooed guy who love him, who will cry at a Kleenex commercial <laughs> and talk about his feelings all day long. Like, and I love that. So we have worked really, really hard with our kids to like have mental health check-ins and like make sure you know, if it's a bad grade, it's not you're grounded until it's like, okay, what's going on? You may also be grounded until the grades come up, but why? Why are you struggling? Is it the subject? Is there something else? Are you being bullied? Are you just having a hard time? Like, That's good. what? 
can we do we are on your team right yeah. and i think you know we're raising two boys and a, a very emotional girl who has no problems expressing her emotions um but raising two boys is very you know in in this world today is hard you know and we have worked really really hard you know we have those talks with our kids you know we want you happy and healthy and how can we make that happen you know you don't have to go to college to have a career to you be happy you know that sort of stuff and we like to check in with our kids and and i think that's that's really where the action comes in you know on an individual level with those around you your family where you have a connection we can start taking those actions to check in um so that people know that yeah like we say hey get help but like we are open and a safe place for you to talk and i think that's you know that's a key element that we really need to work on is the action behind the words yeah I, I, you know, there, there's, there's really nothing that I don't think anyone doesn't agree with on this. I mean, number one, he was impaired driving 156 miles an hour, uh, crashed into a vehicle and killed someone that's pretty straightforward. And we can get back to, well, you know, he had a bad, you know, some, some mental issues and stuff like that. But in the end, you know, unfortunately in this situation, um, that he's the aggressor in this case. This wasn't a um, running away from somebody or anything like that. So it's it's you know, I I wish that whatever demons are in everyone's head, we could just take care of right away. But sometimes those demons are what bring out the best in us. Um, and and it's it sucks. But again, the, the situation is if someone takes his keys, if he takes an Uber home, he would have started probably this weekend and they probably would have beat the Giants. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that being said, there's a lot of things we can look back at and say would have, could have, should have. But unfortunately, hindsight's 2020. Um, I, I would hope that this is a wake up call. The NFL is getting better. Um, if they can stop being so more worried about, oh, vaccines or, you know, who, if someone's offended because somebody took a knee or didn't take a knee or whatever, oh yep. and, and just get to understand some of these people are pretty broken and probably need some help. Um, the Olympics has helped, I believe, with Simone uh, taking her time away from the Olympics and things that have opened the doors that these are humans and they're not super people who have everything together so you know maybe we'll grow out of this maybe you know yeah a lot of people will say it's just a bunch of wusses overpaid wusses shut up and go catch the ball and make me money on various sports betting sites that are yeah at the point i'm just i kind of want to move from indiana because i don't want to see any more commercials about the various betting things so <laughs> but um there's just nothing else you can say about it it's come to utah you'll never see a betting thing again um (laughs) 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 um yeah i i uh brian i like what you said about how like some of the demons kind of make us stronger i find that the advice that i got from the struggles that i've had in my life when i've had to you know go go against certain things 
when I take advice from somebody who has not struggled with that thing ever, I try to take it, but it just, it, it's off. It doesn't work right. Like my mom, my dad, my family, they can love you all they want, but if they haven't been through it, they don't understand. Right. So they yep. just kind of say like, and it's not that they, not that they intentionally, especially my family, it's not like they ever would say anything like rub some dirt in it, but you don't know what to say to somebody, right. you know, CS Lewis talked about, I don't talk about gambling much because I didn't struggle with gambling. I did struggle with lust. And so I can offer you advice about lust and how to combat that. But as far as gambling, I didn't struggle with it. So I'm not going to go around here and give you advice about it because I don't know how to deal with it. You know, if you haven't struggled with like OCD, you can't explain it to somebody who struggles with OCD, right? Like trying to give them advice is like you're in a box that you just can't get into. And it takes really understanding like somebody who's gone through that to kind of give that advice and help you out. And, and again, that just involves being honest with it and seeking out that help to be like, Hey, here's what I'm going through. Somebody else has gone through this before. Okay, great. You know, and that's, that's, uh, that's important. I I haven't struggled with, I've lived a very privileged life (laughs) as far as things go. I will admit it. Uh, I'm not embarrassed of it. Um, My parents worked hard to give me that privileged life. So thanks mom and dad. I appreciate it. But, uh, you know, that's not to say I haven't had any problems and I've definitely had some problems. Um, and I'm happy for, I'm happy for the things that I have and, and grateful for him. But, but even I, with my ludicrous amount of privilege have had things that I've had to, had to work on. And if you feel like you're coasting through life, something's going to come up or something is up that you don't know about yet. And, uh, Talk, more talking can always make it better. Anyhow, I've gone on long enough about this. Let's talk about something else. Let's start with Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Brian. Brian, why don't you give us a piece of your mind? I'm going full again on COVID and the stupidity of the government, but not just the stupidity of the government, but stupidity of the rest of us. So the Biden's vaccine mandates being held up. Um, as we know, that the purpose behind the vaccine mandate um, seems poorly thought out, doesn't take into account any problems that people have with vaccines or have had COVID or any sort of science other than check this box and make us feel better that we can all get back to our lives. Um, And let me caveat, by the way, that I do have the, I've been, did receive both my shots and including the rabies shots. So, um, (laughs) <laughs> Hopefully I'm going to be okay. Um, you but, still need some shit, though. Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, just get those okay. fleas going. <laughs> but the one thing I wanted to call out, not just that Biden's initial attempt at this has been held up by an appeals court, not the AP reporter who then went and quoted somebody from Georgetown Law who uh, brought up the incredible point that that there was no legal basis for an appeals court who has no scientific background to go ahead and hold up something that's being, you know, proclaimed by scientists. You go to your, 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 work at Georgetown law. So the first question is not only what are you doing there, but can they ask for a refund? Um, But finally, (laughs) the, the big part that I want to get to on this not only just because of the vaccine mandates, not only just because while I do agree people should get vaccinated, I believe that's also a personal choice. The final thing was the final thing that nailed this in the coffin today for me was this lovely little article by USA Today. And Brian, what did USA Today say today? Well, it said that 
over and they did a survey of employees and they said that over half would narc on fellow employees who are not following the vaccine mandates over half think about that half of your co-workers are willing to throw you under the bus now that's not half of everywhere and of course they could have very well have gone to a government agency who where everybody is like oh yeah i tell on anybody they didn't get into great details but it was run by a uh, a firm that surveyed 1300 employees and seeing how this would shape workplace culture and more than half 55 percent would report their fellow co-workers who had not been vaccinated or maybe lied about it. So that's something to really think about, especially when looking at the great resignation uh, that's going on at this time and how people are really fucking up this economy just so they can be on the right side of what they think humanity should be going to. Most of the normal people I talk to, uh, thankfully, most of the normal people are starting to slowly fall into the knowing all the problems, knowing all the people have had COVID, knowing all the issues like that. Maybe this whole vaccine mandate is probably a little premature, but I think that the people just need to be careful and keep that in mind that half of your coworkers are probably going to narc you out. So it's disturbing, says a lot of us as a culture, but the scary thing is this, Probably we've got one of the highest numbers that would, one of the lowest numbers, let me rephrase that, of people that narc out because we look up countries like the EU and stuff like that. And I bet you that number is a lot higher. So scary. Yeah. Ridiculous. I I, I love, I love my coworkers too much. I love you guys too much. I mean, I just don't. I do too. I think I love my, I, I value my people over my, uh, I don't know. I can understand there being a philosophical thing with it to say that if this person's endangering the workplace, it's not a matter of if I like them or not. It's that I'm, I will turn them in because they're endangering the workplace. And, you know, with the way the rhetoric goes with COVID, I think that you can, especially USA Today, oh my goodness, these are the people that did the, uh, the, uh, the gun attachment, right? That right yes. the uh the, the that meme uh for those who, do, who haven't seen that look up us usa today like gun attachment on google or something it's if you need a laugh they just they made a historically like hilarious like what a gun attachment could be and people just meme the heck out of it like i i like to make like godzilla under an ar-15 i thought that was the best <laughs> attachment ever i'm gonna make with an apple and i'm gonna send it to you yeah i'm perfect thank you <laughs> That's a good one for Brian in this show. Uh, uh, yeah, the the I, and so I, I I do get like some of it, but I think the fact that it is over fifty five percent just shows how strong that is. And like you said, it, I'm sure it's even stronger over at other places. I mean, this is um, whew, there's definitely a a an argument when you go, especially to Europe, when you talk about COVID protocols, they. I've talked about in the world how some places are, are actually have are further along in libertarianism and some places that are not as far and Europe is generally not as far. Um, they would consider us all down to a man. They would pretty much consider us all right wingers, even though that has nothing to do with libertarianism. And I mean, I think most of the libertarians I know would despise the right wing as much as they do the left wing. But, you know, they don't 
that's that's not where their head's at, you know. So I, I mean, it's a uh, it's a tough place to be over there. Um, I guess as far as COVID protocols to go, um, gosh, I, I mean, I hope that more journalism, especially with stuff like USA Today, can become. Uh, remote so we don't have to deal with any of this i love having a remote thing because that way i don't have to i don't have to worry about lying to somebody or feeling about something out or hey here's my card or where's your card or all these card games because it's a it's a pain and it sows a lot of distrust as as you mentioned brian and i'm sure that that's that's part of it is it's just covid has been a big us versus them and it's helped to be a libertarian to avoid some libertarians dove right in and wanted to be part of the us versus them. New no, thank you to that for me. I like to be kind of above that argument or beneath that argument, depending on how you like to talk about it. But just say, this is a medical decision. It deserves to be spoken about in a medical way and not in a political way. And um, yeah. I find that the more we do that, the the making it political, I, I mean, I almost feel like myself getting further away from reality when I talk about it politically. Like I, I just, it just feels right. ungrounded and you can tell that's all I got to say. Lou, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I have a very simple response to just that last bit is niches get bitches. Y'all. <laughs> 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 that's all I got. I, I, I know. It, and it's like, it's going, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> No, but that Cody and I agree on like ninety nine percent of things, but I am not a pacifist, which is why we're friends. Because I got your back, Cody. When you need there, to be yeah. a pacifist, I got. You. <laughs> when I need a violent uh, backup, I'll just be like, "Lou, help me!" <laughs> I got you. Thank you. Cool. <laughs> well, Lou, why don't you give us a piece of your mind, and then we'll we'll say our goodbyes. Okay, so my birthday is in a couple of days, <laughs> and. Yay. I, you know, on Facebook, they always give you the option to like pick a donation thing. And I'm totally going to use my piece of my mind to promote that. But mainly because I really, really, really wanted to make this about uh, Ashley Shade, who is amazing and she won her election. And I'm so excited. Um, she, I mean, just breaking records mm. left and right. She's the first transgender, um, person in her, I think her county or like, it's more than just like where she was elected, but like a bigger area than that. She's the first one elected to a role on, what is it? City council. So, and I like, I'm just so excited and I'm a little bummed. Because, you know, I've actively worked on campaigns for several years and, you know, it's as, as libertarians, we don't, <laughs> um, we do it because we believe in it, not because there's money in it, because trust me, there's not. Mm -hmm. um, and this year I have taken a step back and I've kind of retired from all of that, but I, I did help her um, kick off the campaign and I sent out her first press release to announce her run. And I want to say it was like within that first hour of the first press release going out, she had calls for interviews. So I was like, yay, okay, you're on a roll. And I kind of passed the torch and I stepped aside and I was cheering from the sidelines and I donated when I could. And, and then 
election night, we're all sitting there watching the numbers come in. And my God, she did it. And it's all her. I mean, if you know Ashley, you can't not love her. And she could have had a team of squirrels on crack that didn't know what they were doing. And she still could have won completely on her own. That's not to say that her team isn't absolutely amazing. Everybody on her team is just brilliant and hardworking. And, you know, we all we all had a victory for a libertarian. It's very exciting. And yeah. Oh, and she asked me to write the final press release um, from the campaign, which was a really cool full circle moment for me in my political campaign work career. Um, nice little feather in the cap. I was very excited. Thank you, Ashley. <laughs> um, so in her honor and in celebration of this huge win, I am asking people to donate to TREES, which is Transgender Resource Education and Enrichment Services. Say that five times fast. Um, they actively do like transgender education for small town and rural America, which I think is super duper important because that culturally I think is where um, we need to touch more hearts and minds. Um, because I have lived in rural, small-town America. And I know there are people with good hearts who mean well, but they don't know better. And so I think Trees is such an amazing organization. And I, beyond just my birthday, like, go look them up. It's webetrees.org. They are amazing, amazing, amazing. They have some really cool swag. They have a ton of events. Um, you can support them in all kinds of ways. But you can especially, this week, support them through my Facebook page. Um, I'm sharing the link every day. I'm, I am absolutely obsessed with this organization. And they're doing so much good. And I would like to see more We do people. not ask for donations on the show, people. I'm just letting you know. So maybe <laughs> if you want to pay a little bit back, Trees, check out Lou's Facebook page, throw in a little bit of a donation in honor of her birthday. Okay, it's for my, you... I don't ask for, and it's not for <laughs> libertarian stuff. It's, yeah, it's for Ashley and for all the people that we love. Um you know, what What better gift can you give society than education around love, which is what Ashley's campaign was all about, campaign, compassion, education, and love. And that's how she won her election. Okay, I do love that she did it. Yeah, you're good. I love that she mm -hmm. did it the love way um, because I think a lot of people are trying the Trump way. And <laughs> I... I would very much like to get away from that. I think unless you're going yes. against Hillary Clinton, I don't know that the Trump way is a winner. Um, and so I do, I, I, of course, Ashley Shade, lover, a friend of mine, someone who I speak with at least weekly um, as well. Uh, big kudos to her. There's a lot to get over uh, when you are a transgender person. I, I remember just the week leading up to it, there was somebody murdered for being transgender um, that hit national news. Um, and, and it's been, uh, violence has been escalating against them. It's, it's, I, we are generally getting better about bigotry, but we accept that when you're getting better, you take steps back. You know, anybody who's tried to get clean before will tell you it's a, 
it, you're never truly clean. They had somebody on, uh, you know, intervention. Uh, one of one of the guys like sit down. We want to tell you how much we love you. Take a break because he fell back into it. You're like, but he was one of the moderators. How could this happen? No, it just happens. America got we 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 got a little bit sick again with the with the transphobe thing. Um, and hopefully we continue to get better. But we don't get better just by hope. We get better by work and by education and programs like Trees helping to make people understand. Um, I'm a big fan of Outright Libertarians USA. Uh, helping libertarians and bringing awareness to them. Yeah. Who are, you know, some, uh, you know, some type of gender and sexual minority. And there are reasons that we focus on that. And, and believe me, I am the first person to want to say, I want to live in America where we put it behind us. We just don't care anymore. Right. But we're not there. Well, you have cancer. You have to talk about cancer when you're cancer free. You can stop talking about cancer. OK, so like this is why we talk about it and this is why we bring attention to it. And Ashley, I love like you said, like just doing it the loving way, doing it the great way. Big win for her. Um, dealt with a lot of people trying to keep her out. There was actually an opening for this position by appointment last year uh, that she was passed up for and kind of had to go to the voters to, to, to make it happen. Um, and the voters, I got to tell you, I know it's Massachusetts, but unless you are, unless you are dealing with the, uh, the blue Boston center, you're looking at some red tape, red state type counties, you know, yeah. and, and it takes a lot to get over for people to get over it. I mean, I wouldn't say that. I don't know what I would have thought. I wasn't aware of the concept of trans, like transgenderism until I was kind of in a point where I would was okay with it. So I can't say specifically what I would have thought. I was never anti-gay, I guess. So like, I hope I would have been okay, but maybe not. Like maybe I would have been one of those people that was not cool with it and needed to become cool with it, needed to be educated about it. You know, there was still, there was a lot of learning I had to do about the difference between gender and sex. Um, that That's one that when I started learning about, I was like, what's the difference here? I had to learn about all that. Um, I guess to your general point here, uh, there was over 150 wins for libertarians across the nation. A hundred of them in Pennsylvania alone. Uh, yes. Yeah. LPPA, go ahead and take a bow. I know that they have been the center of controversies before. Uh, you know what? Regardless of where you stand on that controversy, they made a game plan. Uh, mm -hmm. Jessica, I believe, was the leader of that. She pulled that off. I can't even believe it. And this tends to happen um, <laughs> when there's not a president on there that libertarians win, all, win a whole bunch of seats because not because people stay at home, people still show up and vote, but because there's not that air of, well, it's just too important to let this president win or that or this person win. I'm sorry. This is right. just too important. No, guys, libertarianism is too important to lose. Uh, believe me, your clone Republicans and Democrats they will never be too important. They're happening. It's the same. Anybody that thought Biden was going to be different than Trump. How are you feeling a year into this thing? How are y'all doing? You know, like it, it's not meaningfully different. And there are some things that have changed. There's some things that have gotten better and some things that have gotten worse, but it's not meaningfully different. And ultimately, I, I think, yes, sir. Yeah. It's time to say that meaningful differences can no longer wait. It's time to just be impatient. If you do vote, if you do participate in politics, go gold, go, go something else. <laughs> Follow your heart. 
I'll even say that. All you heard, if you if you feel that truly somebody is a great liberty person, as long as you haven't deluded yourself into thinking it's like Trump or Biden or something, go ahead and do what you got to do. You know, like like I understand making the best decision to protect yourself and your loved ones at the ballot box. I hate the nature of politics that a lot of times in choosing that you have to think about someone else's loved ones who will be harmed by your candidate or policy that you support at the ballot box. It's tough. Voting's not simple. It's difficult. But I am glad that we are at least at a place where people like Ashley can make a landmark win. Um, I, I believe first transgender person in the state or something to be elected to, to office. Um, first libertarian uh, in her county to be voted to office. I'm just incredibly impressed. That's a lot to overcome. And she does not shy away from it. Uh, I think there's there. I have several transgender friends who don't want to be in, introduced as transgender friends. They just want to be that. Well, yeah. Ashley's like, I am transgender. Boom, let's talk about it front and center. I am not scared, and uh, I love her fearlessness <laughs> above all else. I'm really, I'm really happy she won. Something that she said to me recently, um, you know, we sat and had a really long conversation about her transition and all of mm -hmm. that. Um, one of the things she said to me, she's like, you know, I'm a big girl and I was a big guy <laughs> and I have played, you know, she's played professional football yeah. and like, she's like, so not just physically, but, you know, out politically, socially, whatever. She's like, I'm a defender and I want to put myself on the front lines because I can take it. I can take the hits. Um, for those who can't or don't want to, or are scared, I got this. And that's one of the things that I adore about her is that she will, she is fierce and loyal <laughs> and it's all love. And I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah. Brian shared the, uh, Godzilla attachment for those. I've talked about enough at this point, Brian, I want you to go ahead and, and issue some statements on this. I'm going to look up like something that I can post on the page here about the uh, the USA Today attachments, because it's too I, funny not to. I'm incredibly proud of Ashley and all the other libertarians who won this, this weekend, and also for our liberty-minded friends, both on the other two major parties, who hopefully will start seeing that COVID and a whole bunch of other things that are going on in this country have made people far more interested in liberty choices, such as, you know, at possession of firearms, Second Amendment rights, school choice, those other things, they're becoming more normal. They aren't looked as crazy. And I think the Virginia election, even though they wrapped it up in CRT and things like that, really, McAuliffe saying that you didn't have a right to <laughs> be able to dictate what your kids learned. <laughs> I thought that was a brilliant moment and it Clinton-esque type of thing. So again, yeah, just but the result is I know, but you know what? I, Terry McAuliffe or Youngin, yeah, that's pretty. That's that, that was that. That's Trump and Hillary, um, just slightly, but not much better. So, and that's what we got to get out of. Realize that there are better people out there. Not longtime politicians, not political lackeys, not people with questionable yeah. pasts. Let's just start finding good people to run. Right. And then let them run for a couple of years and let somebody else who's just as good 
Um, yeah. and, and, and I know plenty of people on the left or right who would love to see things like term limits and enabled. So, Hey, like again. be a Republican or Democrat, but send your best, like, yeah. and, and have the awareness, like have the, the aware, open your eyes and look at these candidates and say, is that our best? Like, just, right. just seriously, seriously, stop focusing on their guy. Look at your guy and say, is this our best? Just that's all right. I'm asking. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and or go ahead, Lou. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just, I mean, it was just in passing, you mentioned um, term limits. And I don't know if you guys read Hannah Cox's piece on term limits recently. I think she, it just came out this week. It's fantastic. We should totally discuss that at some point. Oh, yeah. Mark that for another episode. It's so good. <laughs> I mean, I mean, just what Brian brought up, critical race theory, we probably should talk about at some point. Yes. Uh, the, the, yeah. Term limits, another good one. I mean, heck. Uh, Hannah Cox is doing the rounds. I'm sure we could probably get her on the show to talk about one of her articles or something. Hannah, please come on and talk about it. <laughs> She's another one that I think most non-nutty libertarians like. She does um, simp for the Pauls maybe a little more than I would enjoy. Yeah, but but for me, but right. she has some really fascinating takes on things because her perspective and her experience working on the Hill as a lobbyist. I mean, she's... Yeah. She's got more experience than a lot of us will ever have. Let's be honest. I don't always agree, but she's a smart girl. Yeah. And I would say, I think a lot of times, you know, how like the libertarian policy like disappears kind of when you sent for the polls or something like that. I think her like she her her social progressivism is very front and center. And so it's not one of those things like she's scared to talk about it because she might anger her conservative crowd or something like that. So right. I, I take her as genuine. Like I, I, I uh, yeah, she does for herself. I will absolutely yeah. give her that. Yeah. <clears throat> well, thank you all so much for joining us on this episode. Uh, this was a well attended episode. Uh, <laughs> we we are always we get more uh we got we get more and more viewers every day, although this one uh looks like it's just already kind of breaking the limits here. I'm, I'm sure every week when we when we increase in viewership, it's fantastic. Uh and I'm loving it. Uh this week uh I think broke some kind of barrier. I'll have to make yeah. sure to talk about something as spicy. I mean, maybe critical race. <laughs> Keep this train <laughs> going. Let's just do it. Let's just yeah. do it. Let's get Larry on and yeah. Uh, yeah. No, oh, I Not do want to, it makes me feel yet. special because, you know, I've been out for a couple of weeks after surgery. I'm like, oh, they're all here for me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it was totally the uh, drama. But uh, I do want to say we did have a handful of listeners who reached out to me. Thank you very much. I appreciate oh. all of your love and support. Mm -hmm. I didn't even reach out to her. I was like, damn it, Lou, get back here now. I don't care what kind of city. I don't care if you can't hear. Do you think I listen to you when you're talking? Let's go. <laughs> no, it's terrible. How awful. How awful. Um, no, Lou, I'm glad your ear is doing better, although still not perfectly. But let's keep that. Let's keep It'll that going. That. Yeah, that's uh, you got a nice scar for it to show off to everybody, but uh, but not noticeable, and uh, that's that's a good thing, right? Behind the ears, so you actually have right. to right, show which it is off. Really funny. Literally the next day, I was getting advertisements for the Van Gogh experience in the museum in Chicago. I swear to God, <laughs> I can Look just see somebody really sitting up. there going, "What what hashtags? What 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 keywords should we be looking for?" Ears severing. Anyone's had an ear severed in the last three weeks? Pound the ads to them. <laughs> I it, like some very specific keywords oh, yeah. for that targeted ad. It's amazing. 
hey i know somebody got that that's like the one time the algorithm actually works they're like i program yeah. this thing for people that have ear slicing i found one. Oh my gosh <laughs> I'm sure there's like three people. Somebody's gonna sit there in a in a marketing meeting going, see, see, I told you we had to put that in. I got three people. See that that bump there? That's my 13 cents. See that? That's me. <laughs> I programmed that in there. Oh, this is one of our best episodes ever, and we continue to get better as we continue to mesh. Uh Lou, we are glad to have you back. Back. Brian, love you every week. Uh Lou, I'm sorry. Uh, we actually got to do an episode on Brian's birthday. Um, oh, sorry, we're not going to get to do it on the very day of the birthday, but uh, again, yeah. the trees, please check it out. Um, I will actually, Lou, if you want to send me that link after this is done here, I will yeah. post it in the in the description. So if you're listening on a podcast, you will have a chance to see, and you can donate. <laughs> and uh, there you go. And we will we will make sure that everybody's nice and educated. Uh, next, now I don't want to get anybody's hopes up. They did say they would let me know to reschedule. They did not say next week. So Larry Sharp is coming, but I do not know when. Uh, you may have something equally spicy. Uh, I know that this got a lot of views because it's Kyle Rittenhouse, but if you are a first-time listener, we always talk like this. Like, there's some great conversations happening about, about subjects that maybe might you might not think are spicy but are important to people. And so please, uh, please continue to listen and, and join in. I am uh, happy to challenge uh, the main show every week. Uh, we're going to be passing about one percent of their listeners any day now, and uh, that's going to be that's going to be huge for us. And people, you know, I remember when I was listening at episode twenty-eight when they were one percent, and now they're a whopping three percent. You know, you want to be like part true of this. libertarians, like true libertarians. You want to be a part of this. I know you have a lot of podcasts that you listen to. So, in all seriousness, I do. There's a lot of work that goes into this. Brian and Lou take a lot of important time away from their families and their day to make this happen. And uh, it, it's a it's a big deal to us that that you have your choice and we want to make sure that your choice is honored. Please let us know if you ever want to see anything in the show and then we want to talk about. We certainly take requests, especially among viewers. Love you very much. Everybody take care. I need to develop a tagline and signing off. I've been told that already. I don't know what it is. So for now, uh, kisses. Everybody, love you very much, and we'll talk to you all later. Bye.